This is episode 272 of the Wrestling Brethren podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wiener, along with Seth Zillman and Jared Aubrey. And on this episode, we will be discussing some wrestling news items, reviewing the 2022 Royal Rumble, and as part of the fallout, everything we know about Shane McMahon running amok. Hey, yo, Jay Will, get us started. What up? This is Josiah Williams, and you're listening to the Wrestling Brethren podcast, where wrestling and pop culture collide. Yeah. Yes, this is episode 272, and I am here with Seth and Jarrett. And as we always ask around this time, fellas, post- premium live event how the hell are you well as anybody who's lived in the midwest knows we're basically turned into the planet hoth here and it's kind of funny because in the chicago land area stuff i knew it happens every every year and jared you live even farther north than we do so i'm sure you you're used to blizzards every now and then ah. but it's just kind of funny how news dominates about the all the snow and all these static, all these uh, status updates and posts about the, the about the weather, and I'm like, it's February. It's supposed to be cold. Yeah, it it hit Hothian conditions here too. We had a big blizzard the other day. Today was uh, our, our wind chill brought it down to to, to minus forty five Celsius, um, which is about the same in Fahrenheit. So <laughs> you guys know what that feels like. I was about to say that's cold in any measurement. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but uh, back back to the wrestling, it, it's like uh, you know how we always kind of talk about you know, wrestling is is the male's drama, and I think we're going to get a lot of that this week. So I can't wait to get into it. Well, we're going to get into it now because if I talk about the snow and the cold, it's going to be its own podcast episode. <laughs> so we're going to get started with a little. And then a lot of wrestling news. And the first item is an interesting decision that has been made on the 2022 Hall of Fame induction ceremony. If you guys remember when WWE was having... You know, let's say, for example, the 2019 Survivor Series weekend that was all in Chicago at the Allstate Arena. So they had ticket packages to where if you bought tickets to Raw, you would get also SmackDown. Or if you bought tickets to Survivor Series, you could get tickets to NXT War Games. Or if you wanted to buy tickets to all four, they had a package for that. Well, now, for the 2022 WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony, it's going to reportedly take place at the same venue as the go-home edition of SmackDown in the same arena. So, in other words, it will not be ticketed separately. It will be a free addition to the live SmackDown airing. So, buy tickets to SmackDown. Stick around for the Hall of Fame ceremony. Somehow I get the feeling there's going to be a lot of empty seats when the Hall of Fame starts up, assuming they're doing it afterwards and not before. Yeah, post-Smackdown. Wait, they're, they're dragging out all the old geezers after SmackDown, like past their bedtime? Yep. Oh, this is going to be fun. Well, that is their prime audience anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> So they're going to they're watch, you know, SmackDown for for two hours, whatever else goes on during a taping, and then they're going to do, what, a three-hour Hall of Fame ceremony afterwards? Yeah, those Hall of Fame ceremonies tend to be really long. I mean, there was a time when they were cutting down on stuff so much, and it felt like watching a highlight reel. So, it, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if people stick around for that. And WrestleMania was too long for one day. Yeah, the plan is to air the ceremony from... 9.30 p.m. to 11 p.m., so it's only an hour and a half. So they're probably going to cut people's speeches again. 
You're going to pretend it's the Oscars and shoo him off the stage. And just turn the music on when it's time to go. Right. They should have done that when Mr. T was talking. <laughs> they should have done that before they had edits. Uh, in the next news item, as if some of the parts of the Royal Rumble were not enough to piss you off, reports today are that Bill Goldberg is reportedly returning for Elimination Chamber. Yay. I'm assuming he's just going to have a specialty match because he's certainly not advertised for the chamber itself. The report is that he may be the challenger for Roman Reigns to get that mania match that didn't happen because of COVID. Mm. But they're saying, you know, he hasn't, if they're going to advertise it or do anything for it, he's got two more shows left to show up. So that's why it's just a report as of right now, but doesn't really exactly wet my whistle if you get my drift. Well, if they've only got two more shows... Yeah, they better get at it unless, unless they're just going to announce a title match like right right before the show. I mean, I wouldn't mind watching Roman kill Goldberg. That would be fun. It's only going to be a five or six minute match, if yeah. that. Well, yeah, it, it's it's really crazy all this travel just for these short matches. But speaking of Elimination Chamber, uh, an administrative announcement before we get to our main event of the news items. Um I'm adding back in Saudi shows for predictions. It does not mean I will be watching them, nor am I saying that anyone has to watch them that doesn't want to watch them. But I'm going to throw them back into our predictions because they seem to be transitioning to where they are storyline-based and not just a glorified house show. So uh, in a couple of weeks' time or 10 days' time or whatever the case may be, we will do predictions for Elimination Chamber because it will have impact on WrestleMania. Uh, so look for that in the next episode or two, depending on where what the date is. I think it's the 19th of February is the show. So we'll have our predictions out a few days before that. Now, for... Shane McMahon and all of his unadulterated, egomaniacal glory. I'm going to try to read this as succinctly as I can. I for, Forgive me for any pauses because I'm going to have to edit myself as I go along. Uh, but I'm reading this from a summary provided by WrestlingHeadlines.com. New details are being revealed on Shane McMahon's behavior on the day of the Royal Rumble this past Saturday. It was reported earlier this week that McMahon was quote-unquote quietly let go from WWE due to the significant heat he received for his role as a producer and writer of the Men's Royal Rumble on Saturday. He competed in the match, but was reportedly heavily criticized for how he took charge of the booking and tried to make the match about himself. So there was an initial report on the heat that he had. Then there was a report on McMahon making the decision to let his son go based on the fallout. Then there was an update on Shane's entire situation and why people were concerned with some of the entrance for the rumble. And another report on Shane being upset before the Rumble started. So in an update from those reports, multiple people who were at the arena on Saturday noted that McMahon was really self-centered and made things all about himself and his own ideas, according to a report from Wade Keller of PW Torch. It was also said that Shane didn't get caught up on what the plans were for the match. He apparently doesn't keep up with the WWE storylines as it was noted that he didn't know what was happening on TV, which was to build certain moments within the Rumble match itself. Shane allegedly pulled the McMahon card with the other men's Royal Rumble match producers and wanted things done his way with the idea that he was there to have a big moment in the match. Things reportedly got so bad that there were heated arguments with people who felt like they could push back on Shane's behavior. The situation was described as chaotic by multiple sources, and McMahon's actions reportedly caused a lot of stress and strife, distracting people from the task at hand. 
It was also said that Shane just went way overboard with his actions. There was a plan in place for the men's rumble, but Shane was reportedly pushing back against the producers who were simply trying to follow through on what Vince told them should be done in the match. Shane had interactions during the rumble with Kevin Owens, Otis, Riddle, and others, and it was noted that these exchanges were all Shane's doing and that these are the wrestlers he wanted to be in the ring with and look good against. While Shane had those interactions that made him look strong, it came time to put someone over, and he was willing to put Brock Lesnar over, the eventual winner. It's reported that Shane was booked to wrestle at Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania 38, and that he was scheduled to be a heel on the Raw brand. An issue related to Shane's Raw creative is reportedly what put him in a bad place with Vince. Shane reportedly had issues with what was planned for Raw and with how he was going to be framed as he was going to be added to the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE title. Shane reportedly disagreed with Vince's plan for the Chamber booking and how he wanted to execute those plans. They were laid out to Shane, but he didn't care for them, so he reportedly pushed back on those plans, and that was where Vince had enough and led him to cancel all plans and all creative with Shane. Regarding the back and forth on Saturday, Dave Meltzer added on Wrestling Observer Radio that Shane had ideas, but Vince would veto them and Lesnar would push for other things. It's been reported that Lesnar got his way in the men's rumble, and word now is that Lesnar got to do a lot of what he wanted, while Shane did not. Shane complained to a lot of people and talked down to others, including Jamie Noble. Besides Shane and Noble, it's been reported that other main producers for the Men's Rumble were Adam Pierce, Sean Devari, and Chris Park. Vince brought in Shane to help to produce the Rumble for the third year in a row, but it's likely that this will be the end of his Rumble creative work. It was described as a dad doing a favor to his son, despite the fact that Shane's creative ideas have been laughed at behind his back for years, and the fact that some say Shane doesn't have a good creative wrestling mind. It was also noted that it's not clear if Shane has been released from a talent contract or if he was just sent home and removed from all plans, but it's believed among some that Shane will not be involved with WWE for the foreseeable future. The WWE title match has Bobby Lashley defending against Brock Lesnar, Riddle, Austin Theory, AJ Styles, and Seth Rollins. There's no confirmation that Austin Theory ended up with Shane's spot, but we do know that Shane wanted to wrestle Theory at WrestleMania. It's been reported that at one point there were plans for a Shane versus Seth Rollins feud and a Lashley versus Shane feud had also been discussed at one point before <laughs> Rumble plans were Sorry, finalized. Sorry, I just spit up the drink a little. <laughs> yeah. So that's everything as we know it as of today in a not-so-succinct nutshell. But holy hell is this guy delusional. It's one of those things that almost reads like a parody, like something you would see on kayfabe news, which is kind of the onion of pro wrestling news. And if you hadn't have brought up Riddle or, or quoted from that uh, that piece, you said that was some Keller or. Uh, yeah, I believe so. OK, uh, I just want to make sure we, you know, we give we give the credit. But you, you saw Shane do an exchange of punches with Matt Riddle an actual MMA fighter. And we all know how notoriously bad Shane's punches are. He literally looks like he's punching, but his hands are like made of rubber. Just they've, of, gotten, you know, like, they've gotten worse. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think they'd get better. Uh, so, and it was okay to have him around uh, a couple times a year, you know, to jump off something really high or whatnot. And I, I, I will say, Obviously, none of us know the McMahons, but Shane has always seemed like the one that would be the most fun to have a beer with or something like that. And maybe he is, but if these are his creative ideas, it does kind of harken back to stuff I've heard from uh, Jerry Jarrett uh, and Raven and I think even Kevin Sullivan, although Kevin Sullivan did do this, I believe, which is wrestle while you're booking because the temptations very hard to resist to put yourself over. And I remember Jerry Jarrett saying something about when you have too many uh, of the talent giving input, 
or you're letting the talent book themselves, you know, the, nobody in the town is going to say, ah, that's a great idea. Just beat the hell out of me. You know, I, I, that'll go over well with the crowd. You know, nobody's going to react like that. It's all, you know, I should, I should get the spotlight. I should get this, this, and this. So it is disappointing. I can't say it's too surprising. There was absolutely no need for Shane to be in the rumble itself. You, you could have easily worked Shane into him doing something to get into mania. If he truly must have a mania match and Shane had a mania match. Doesn't really bother me that much, especially since Mania's two days now. So you actually have two full cards essentially to fill, but it's, it really is overkill that he would exchange blows with guys who any reasonable, rational person would think that Shane would have no chance against that guy. I mean, Austin Theory, if they were to do a Mania match, is the one that would probably be the most believable because Austin Theory is so new to the scene that you could buy that, okay, this is an up-and-coming guy, so the veteran Shane would just be able to be more than a match because of his experience and intellect and all that. Even Seth Rollins could probably make it work because Seth Rollins could have a, a good match with just about anybody. But when I heard Bobby Lashley, that Bobby Lashley was like one of the possible opponents for him at mania it's just i i really don't know what to say and it does sound like if it's true that vince or whoever didn't like shane's ideas as far as creative so that's why creative went over to stephanie instead you know i guess you can kind of see why so my hunch is it's only a matter of time before he comes back but you know that i if we don't see him for another several months or even a year i i certainly won't complain so this all kinds of kind of makes sense on why the, the rumble felt really disjointed, right? Like usually in, in the, in the quote unquote, good old days of the Royal rumble, you know, we'd look forward to a really well-booked match that would have interactions that led to programs outside the rumble. Right. And I can see if Shane entered the rumble in order to have a program with somebody else, but I would be really interested to hear. I think there's more to this story. Cause I remember reading, a quote on this that said that Shane's plans or Shane's actions uh, are could possibly have ramifications on WWE for years. And I, that was, I'm paraphrasing the statement. So what was the, what was Shane's ultimate plan? Like, was there going to be some kind of, um, I don't know, thing with him and Vince maybe where he was going to take over on screen or something, or I don't know, like there was, Sounds like there was something huge ready to happen, but of course, whatever he did you know, at, at the Rumble kind of scuttled all those plans. But all of that, whatever went down, um, you know, completely scuttled the Rumble, right? Like, it, like I said, it felt disjointed. There wasn't a lot of uh, obvious places where, okay, well, these guys are, are going to get into a program following this afterwards. Uh, it, it just felt like okay, we were getting people into this match, and you know, at least. I was, I was one of the folks that was just kind of waiting for Brock to show up. So everything that kind of happened beforehand really didn't mean a lot. And it really wasn't all that eventful anyway. Um, it was probably up there with, you know, the, the worst rumbles that I remember watching. And here's the thing. If the Brock thing wasn't so obvious and had I picked Kevin Owens to win, and Shane just threw him out like he was nothing, I would have been livid. Livid. I would have been on here for a 20-minute rant. But I knew the Brock thing was coming, so I wasn't too upset about it, but I was like, why did he just pitch Owens like he was nothing? And then the whole thing with Riddle, and just, oh, so bad. So bad. We had to give Shane all that stuff, and Cesaro wasn't even in the Rumble great yeah so just as a side story to this uh there are reports now and and to your point jared uh that this there's more to the story there's stuff coming out every day so i wouldn't be surprised if there is more to this story um but wwe morale is said to be at an all-time low shocker <laughs> It 
was reported after Saturday's Royal Rumble event that morale was low compared to most recent events, mainly due to the constant changes to the men's and women's Rumble matches. In an update, word is now that general WWE morale seems to be near a decades-long low, if not an all-time low in the locker room, according to Fightful Select. Since the Rumble, they have reportedly spoken with a number of discouraged and disappointed talents who have been frustrated with the direction of the company. The low morale reportedly ranges from talents who are rarely on TV to those who are regularly in the main events. From new names to veteran talents, all experiencing a decrease in locker room morale. One longtime talent reportedly said they feel like nothing matters outside of maybe four people. Several other main roster talents pointed to issues with continuity and nobody else being designed to do anything. It was also said that several wrestlers feel like they're without a voice and are reduced to making pleas on social media. One wrestler reportedly said in the time they've been with WWE, they've never felt less heard and that their attempts to speak with Vince go unheard and are met with haste, sometimes seemingly go the other way out of spite based on their recommendations. This is interesting as many former talents have commented on how accessible Vince was over the years. There is also some frustration of several contradictory decisions made in recent months, which have reversed course to something the talent had already pitched and had denied. The rumble on Saturday was a major point of frustration, but not the only one. Rumble talents reportedly had issues with how the bouts were produced and the lack of most wrestlers not being highlighted to maximize their presence. There were also issues with moments not being created and the lack of capitalizing on a lot of the angles that built the match itself. One talent reportedly stated, if you see a complaint with merit and in good faith about something that lacks sense, logic, or continuity, I almost guarantee we have complained about it too. It just never changes anything. There are also some wrestlers who believe WWE will eventually sell the company. One wrestler who believes a sale will happen said that's the only way they can possibly rationalize some of the decision-making. President and Chief Revenue Officer Nick Khan recently confirmed that the company has received outside offers, but stressed that they are not looking to sell. It should be noted that this new report of morale and frustration within WWE does not reflect the entire locker room, just those who spoke and gave their experiences. So you can file all that in the category of No Shit Sherlock. <laughs> I know the finances report came out today and or, or I think it was I think it was also their shareholder meeting and such and they talked about how it was a record gross and I think a record profit and stuff like that and of course it just makes most people think okay then why all the budget cuts if you're making record revenue because that's where really where the cutting makes the most sense is if they are looking to put the company in position for a sale, it seems like that would be something they'd want to do. But if that's the case, then I don't, I don't know. I don't really necessarily have a business mind. I don't claim to, it's just like, then why the budget cut claims? It's just, I, I don't know. Um, it, it would be difficult to imagine WWE being run by anybody but the McMahons. So I, I have no idea what would happen uh, depending on who owns them and really a non-wrestling or media company owning a wrestling company oh man what could possibly go wrong you know it's not like you know ted turner did that or uh, ring of honor did that or anything as the such it seems like whenever a media company buys a wrestling promotion it doesn't seem to last very very long well, it's even easy to see on TV, at least, why the, the talent is probably unhappy. I mean, we're, well, not to speak for everyone, but, I mean, the shows have sucked for for a long time, right? Like this, that, you know, the, the women are kind of back to, you know, the, there's a title program and maybe one other one highlighted. Uh, everything else that's going on is is really not it's not that it doesn't make sense well no it doesn't make sense but i mean it's it's not interesting there's nothing happening the 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 roman and paul swerve wrote itself and it should have happened at wrestlemania and i know seth you predicted it to happen but like why do it at the 
you know, now, why not wait till him and Brock face off? Uh, it doesn't make sense. So there are a lot of things going on, you know, and a lot of folks that, that aren't being used, uh, they have all this airtime and to the comment there, you know, that it only matters to a few people. Hey, I can totally see that. There are a few that are highlighted every week. Storylines are, st- are stagnant. There's nothing interesting happening. And you take that plus rumors of stale, plus everybody getting sacked, plus all the heat going on in the locker room between executives like Shane and not executives, but our, uh, office people like Shane, um, you, you know, things going on with, with Charlotte Flair. I can only imagine what that locker room is like and how, how some of those people feel. So it, it does not feel like they are, are in a very good spot right now. And I'm not even considering that what's going on with, with the possibility of the sale. <clears throat> I'm thinking of that the on-screen product sucks. There's there's heat backstage. There's poor decisions being made. So yeah, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people are are a disappointed in their their screen time, their their ability to perform and perhaps uh, get opportunities uh, to have good storylines, and then just all the, the crappy decisions going on. It cannot be a fun place to work right now. Agreed. Not much more we can say without spiraling out of control. But, yeah, uh, again, completely Captain Obvious line of uh, thinking there. But, as the saying goes, it is what it is. But let's get on to the premium live event itself, and let's discuss 2022's Royal Rumble. We did not have a kickoff show match, but we did have a kickoff show that confused Jarrett. Did it not? Yeah, a bit. Because they, they said one thing, and then with like the countdown to the show, they said something else. It's like, hey, um, you know, coming up first, we've got we've got uh, you know, Brock and, and Bobby Lashley. It's like, well, great, my prediction is coming true. Brock's going to lose, so he can go on to the Rumble. And, and when they're going to give him a chance to actually rest. And then, hey, uh, kickoff show's almost over. And by the way, coming up next, it's Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. I'm like, oh, wait, wait a minute here. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the hint of how the night was going to go. <laughs> uh, we warned you right up front. I, I I didn't see the pre-show, but I did hear somehow that, that it sounded like Booker T like predicted Brock to win the Rumble, even though it hadn't been announced that he was in it. I mean, m- maybe I misheard, or maybe whoever saw it misheard. But something like uh, Booker said something about, "Oh yeah, B- uh, Booker T would be uh, high on my list to win as well." So I'm just like, if that's true, I don't know. Did he flub the line? Did he or did he not know that Brock actually was scheduled to be in, or was he just kind of speaking off the top of his mind? That's kind of what I think happened. Is maybe he's because I. I believe what they were talking about were the uh, odds makers for uh, betting and and such as far as who would win. And I think he might have been talking about that. But uh, I think it's kind of funny that if my understanding is correct, Vince usually doesn't like people speculating on surprises that are going to happen. Or, you know, it could have been nothing. It could have just been a throwaway line. Like I said, I didn't see the pre-show, so I don't know. Well, two things with that. Vince didn't have a problem giving away the surprises for the women's rumble on SmackDown a couple weeks back. And two, uh, I tend to tune out the, the panel because Booker still gives out his shucky, shucky, quack, quack, whatever bullshit, uh, <laughs> moment of the night prediction. So none of that means anything to me. So yeah, I don't know what he said. All right. So, uh, as Jared alluded to, And as WWE changed it on the fly, the opener was for the universal title. Usos banned from ringside, the tribal chief, the needle mover, Roman Reigns defeated Seth freaking Rollins. But Seth had probably the best entrance that there's been in a while because he continued to play the mind games with Roman, because after Roman was 
introduced first, champion first, which I know we all love. Uh, you heard the shield intro and music and Seth came out in full garb through the stands, cackling the whole way. And Roman's face told the entire story of this. So good. Uh, they had a callback to the 2016 or 2015 match, uh, where Roman went for a spear right into a pedigree, not as crisp as it was back then, but still got the point across, uh, but still a great match for an opener. Uh, I thought we were off to a good start for the show. Uh, what did you guys think? Yeah, Seth coming out to the Shield, uh, get up. Even I popped at that. It was a great match. I think you could probably say it was the best match of the show. I did not like the finish with the whole dropping the arm on the rope by the referee. But, but I mean, the crowd went from a this is awesome chant to pretty much openly jeering the finish when it happened. I did like the post-match. I, I, what it came across to me, at least when I was watching it live, was that Roman snapped out of frustration. And then, of course, being a heel, gaslights and blames everybody else uh, for his actions. So it seemed like in his expression, he was just he was justifying these actions by the stuff he was saying. And I mean, one of the whole ideas of going in the story going in is that Roman has been unable to beat Seth. And of course he technically lost this match as well by DQ. That would be an okay finish if they're going to do a rematch, but now we don't know if they're going to, because Seth's in the elimination chamber, apparently beating Roman for in a shot for the universal title somehow makes you a top contender for the raw title. I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of bad things that have happened in wrestling, that's probably pretty low on the list, but I just couldn't help but notice that. It's just like, well, he won the match by DQ for the other brand's title. And you're putting him on this brand's title match. That doesn't make much sense to me, but like I said, maybe, maybe they'll have, a match sometime between Elimination Chamber and Mania on a packed SmackDown or something like that where they do a rematch. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But uh, it, it seems like they just kind of put Seth in there kind of as filler for the boss fight because they're really just going for Roman versus Brock again. So that's about all I had to say. Got to make room for Goldberg, brother. <laughs> Yeah, to to your point there, Seth. I was I was always curious, like why they brought him over from Raw for this. And it's like, well, he's not going to be there forever, right? And because you can't imagine that he was going to win. What the point of it was, but I did. I, I thought the match was fantastic up until the end. I didn't. I didn't like. This is one of the the big four, right? And one of those silly kind of finishes kind of diminishes what what happened in the in the match. But I did like when Roman had Seth in the submission and the, the DQ was going to, was happening and the rush was like, let him go Roman. And Roman's like, he won't allow me to let him go. And he just kept saying that. Like, like he was snapping, like you said, just over and over again. That was, I love that moment. That was great. Um, yeah. I think it was a really good match marred by a, by a less than fantastic finish. Well, the rumble recently, the pay-per-view itself seems to be where these one and dones take place for title shots. See Balor comma Finn versus Brock Lesnar. That was a one and done. We all picked Roman Reigns to retain. So we didn't pick Seth to win and we didn't, you know, we didn't lose points because we said Roman to retain and that's what happened. So we're all off to a good start of one and O on this night and next was the women's royal rumble i will not go through the 23 announced participants but the seven surprise entrants were melina cameron ivory or should i say right to censor ivory alicia fox sarah logan mighty molly and ronda rousey <laughs> yes, I left points on the table. 
Seth and Jarrett move to 2-0 and and pick up a big 10 points while I do not. And I will just say that while the surprises were a couple more than the men's rumble, I don't... It, it just sticks in my craw a little bit for continuity's sake, bringing Ivory out as right-to-censor Ivory when she was in one of these rumbles previously as her babyface gimmick, did a dance break with Carmella in the middle of the thing, and now all of a sudden she's right to censor and she's saying, you know, she's putting down all the wayward, lost little girls. I'm like, you, dude, you were a babyface in this match like two years ago. What? So I didn't care for that. Uh, Cameron, never be on my screen again. Uh, Melina, they did dirty. Alicia Fox, never be on my screen again. They had some extras in the back in case anybody popped for COVID. But I would have rather have seen Caitlyn. Caitlyn was in the back. Hell, Oksana, who is just as talented as Cameron, uh, I would have rather have seen because we haven't seen her in forever. But just uh, the surprise meter, it would have been so much better if they had gone with just leaving all the surprises as surprises. Would have would have popped me more. But it is what it is. Ronda at 28 instead of 30 wins the rumble. The only cool moment I had in the, towards the end there was Shayna and Ronda having a little moment in the ring, but didn't really do anything together. Um, just smiled at each other kind of lame, but I really want them to work together either against each other or together together, but <sighs> we'll have to see. I think we all struck out in our picks, didn't didn't we? No oh, surprise. So, well, oh, well, I well, mean, surprise. Well, yeah, we'll get to that later. But well, this is just I, 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 this is just for who won. But yeah, I'll get to all the prop bet stuff later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Um, I know that uh, I was wrong in some of in some of my picks here, but uh, the how obviously it was a different person, so I don't. I don't get any points, but what happened with Sasha and Molina when Molina came out of number two, that's almost exactly what I was expecting to happen with. I think I picked Carmella on uh, whether it was uh, Shayna or whether it was Knight, uh, uh, one of the like Tamina or something like that at number one or something like that. But that, that would be like almost exactly what I would have done with Molina as she comes in and just gets tossed out right away. So. As far as the, this rumble itself, it was entertaining. I wouldn't say it was necessarily a great match, even by rumble standards. But it was entertaining, and I I chuckled definitely at that. I appreciate she came out. She finally looked like she hit her 40s, even though I think she's in her 60s by now. And her el- elimination was hilarious. So it's, it's one of those things I'm willing to forgive uh, inconsistencies like that if it's entertaining. But I, I, of course, predicted Ronda to win. I, I said it last week that if she's in the Rumble, she should win it because it's her big comeback. We'll get to the men's stuff later. But uh, outside of the entertaining spots and seeing some of the nostalgic characters, you might say, it it really wasn't anything to write home about. But you know, like I said, entertaining. entertaining. Yeah, well, one thing I liked about this match was it they, they kept the ring full. And so there's opportunities for, for action. There wasn't one person dominating everything. Um, however, this match, um, and I guess maybe now we know why, missed a lot, a lot of opportunities, right? So, I mean, looks at um, Ronda and, and Sa- um, Shayna Baszler didn't really get into anything. They didn't fight, nor did they, did they really help each other. Um, they had Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan came back. And Nikki Ash were all still in the ring. Maybe that could have been used as a moment, perhaps fantasy booking here to maybe snap Nikki out of the superhero thing and maybe perhaps either return to her own gimmick or, or lay the groundwork for a new change. Um, they could have done something with all three of those, but it was a bit more about uh, they're, they're there. There was, I think Nikki smiled at Sarah and that was 
pretty much all that happened there. Another missed opportunity there. And again, they didn't really book a lot of things going forward other than um, you know, the, the continuing um, uh, bit between uh, uh, Sony Deville uh, and, and Naomi and they had Cameron out there and they didn't really do anything between the two of them either. So yeah, there's a lot of spots where they, they could have done some storyline things or done some nostalgia or, or done some, some, at least some recognizable things and they completely missed the ball altogether. So, um, but I'm, I'm happy that my, my pick came through. So. Yeah. They, they could have had uh Melina and Alicia Fox go at it and recreate that greatest match of all time. that Cameron loved so much. Jesus. Yeah, uh, Naomi checked on Cameron for all of like 1.2 seconds before getting in the ring. <laughs> you all right? Good, because I'm out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this whole Sonya and Naomi thing, like the longest story, you know, we all clamor for long-term storytelling, but you know, sometimes enough's enough. Next, Raw Women's Title Match in a horrible placement on the card for two reasons. One, this was a come down after a rumble match. And two, the friggin' WrestleMania sign was on fire and nobody in the arena gave two craps about this match because they were trying to find why this sign was on fire, watching everybody being evacuated, the sign being lowered down, uh, extinguisher on it then raised back up, and then people brought back in. Nobody cared about this match. But anyway, Becky retained clean, not even via cheating, which I thought she might. But I guess Dewdrop looked decent. They didn't really give this as much time as I would have preferred, but it was there. It was the thing that happened. That's about it. I think one of the problems that had was nobody expected do drop to win uh, i think part of it one yeah she's new but also she's gone from like heel to baby face back to heel again very quickly so it's kind of hard to get sympathy for her. as far as the in-match stuff i think it looked fine but like you said people were distracted and it just it just wasn't an interesting ma- enough match on paper for, for me at least and this was almost one of those Filler matches. I mean, it was good for what it was. It was a decent match. Uh, Dewdrop kind of kind of filled the role uh, nicely. Uh, as I watch her wrestlers, you know, she's kind of just filling the, the the female Yokozuna thing, and I didn't really notice anything special about her. Um, so again, I didn't really watch her in NXT UK, so I don't know a lot about her. But if, if this was, you know, an example of what to expect from her, then it's like I, I really couldn't care. So I, I will need to watch her some more just to get educated on on what she's like. But yeah, it was it was good for what it was. I will find you some Piper Niven or some Viper stuff to uh take in and you'll have a we'll see if your opinion changes, but cool. Yeah, no, I'd I'm open about it. Uh, for the WWE title, Brocketh Lesnar defeated by Bobo Lashley and new WWE champion with a little assistance from the tribal chief. And as previously alluded to, we got our moment where Heyman turns on Brock. Brock didn't even know what happened. He wasn't even with it at the time because he just ate a spear. Um, Roman goes over stares at Paul, puts his hand out. Paul gives him the WWE title, to which Roman looks at with disgust, which that bothered me a little bit how Roman treated the title, but waffles Brock with the belt and then discards it like it's the Toys R Us $20 version of the belt, like it's a toy. Not too keen on that, but be that as it may, Lashley takes advantage it's the one, two, three, and we have a new WWE champion. I can't help but think that this is the finish they were going to do at day one, but obviously the match didn't happen because of the, the COVID issue. And I can't help but think what would have happened with Big E and Lashley, because Big E was a 
going in as the champion for day one because Big E seems to be like barely even an afterthought now. They have him on SmackDown. And I think it did needlessly damage both Big E and Seth Rollins because they just kind of uh, used them as secondaries, you might say, for um, other matches for, you know, for, to, to kind of keep the, the Brock and Roman program going. So uh, the match itself was fine. I know this has been a dream match for a lot of fans, uh, me included, to get these two like legitimate tough guys just in there to pummel each other. So in the end, I can't really complain anything about the match itself. I mean, if you were going in with Brock as the champion, the right thing to do would be to have Heyman and or Roman cost him the title. So I guess you could say the end justified the means, but uh, I, I still wish they just hadn't taken the t- title off Big E to begin with. I, I like the start of this as, as a Haas fight. I, I liked how they're suplexing each other and utterly no-selling it. I know, Josh, you, you messaged me about that. I thought it was kind of neat. It's like you toss, <clears throat> you toss me, and the other guy gets up. He's like, "Got all you got," and then reverse that. Oh, I'm standing up too. I thought it was kind of a neat spot between two big guys. It's like you're gonna have to do more than that to you know, wear me down or beat me up. Um, it, this was all to set up the finish, and I, I get, I get this, the, the the Heyman turn with Roman again, or well, turn or we, we return to Roman. I, I, I kind of wish it would have been more impactful in that Brock would have been aware of what was going on. I, I would have liked for them to have screwed him right in front of his face. I think that would have meant a little more and perhaps been a little bit bigger. Um, it, it didn't, it didn't have to me, at least the feel of when, when Brock when Roman came in there and then walked over to, to him and I just held his hand out for the belt. It, it didn't feel big enough it didn't feel like an impactful turn but i mean it is what it is uh, i'm just glad that that Heyman's back with roman and and that it was a plan that we were right talking about you know we thought of being a swerve um so yeah let's let's see what they do next since the men's rumble was the main event have to have another cool down match before and we got that in the mixed tag match edge and beth phoenix Defeated The Miz and Maris. And again, this was what it was. It was predictable. A little more out of Maurice than I thought we would have seen. Uh, but kind of uh, by the book here. This was one of those matches that just felt like it was kind of there. I mean, it, it wasn't particularly great, but there was nothing bad about it. I guess if you're into the whole mixed tag thing between two married couples but i just had no interest in this match because i just never really cared for the story and i, and I like all the people involved i like Miz, i like edge you know i, I like uh Maurice and and beth but it just it just seemed to lack uh any anything special it just didn't seem to have this any real appeal for me, at least. I mean, I, I, I can't speak for others, but just there was just nothing in the match that interested me. So, yeah, it was it was it was there. Nothing bad about it, though. Yeah, same here. It was kind of just a, one of those, you know, quote unquote, special attraction things. It wasn't too huge. It wasn't too small. Um, yeah, it, it was it was like a match you you know you want to find on a on a big Raw or SmackDown or something. And I don't know it was nice to see. I love Beth Phoenix's hair. Um, and I certainly wanted, wouldn't want to be in you know the wrong end of a dark alley with <laughs> with Beth Phoenix staring at me. But um, yeah, I know that the match was was solid. Um, the, the right thing happened, and it was a decent little uh, uh, run through the woods. I still would not be mad at a Beth Phoenix Natalia tag team title run. Mm-hmm. I know they've teased it several times, but for all the attention, they don't give the women's tag team champions let the let pin up strong take it for a while you'd have always new face and best hair yeah uh all right in the main event of what would completely fall apart and fall flat 
the men's Royal Rumble, only five surprise entrants. Ridge Holland, Drew McIntyre, which was a legitimate surprise because I thought he was out past Rumble. Bad Bunny, Shane McMahon, which we've already spoken about, and the aforementioned Brock Lesnar, who came in at 30 and won as Jared and I predicted. So before we get into talking about the match itself, just to summarize, before all the prop bet predictions came into play, at the end of the pay-per-view itself, just on wins and losses, Jarrett was undefeated 6-0, and getting both Rumble matches right. It's a total of 20 points just for those themselves. Seth and I tied at the time, five and one, and 27 points apiece, uh, Jarrett, with 37 points. But huh, some things happened <laughs> that uh, I can say I'm ashamed of for myself. We'll get into that in a minute, but the rumble itself, huh, so many wasted slots. The whole Johnny Knoxville thing played out as I expected. A huge waste of time. Uh, Kofi's botch. Ah, another wasted slot. I mean, it, it wasn't supposed to happen like that. He slipped. His feet touched. Whatever. But just a lot of wasted stuff in this match. You had Dominic and Ray in a rumble together. They weren't even in the friggin' match at the same time. No tension teased whatsoever because they weren't even there together. Ugh. You got AJ and Shinsuke to start. No, barely any reference to their previous history. Barely. And it was just there. And, ah. <sighs> So many things. And the fact that for the men's rumble, you had to have so many tag teams involved in this. And for the women's rumble, you had to get, you had to dip into the hall of fame and legends, quote unquote, because you don't have 30 active women on Raw and SmackDown, not even counting NXT because they sure don't. But you had to go to impact wrestling because you don't have enough women because you cut them all. Ugh. Anyway, moving on, Seth. Yeah, this was not really one of the best rumbles. Uh, again, I think I struck out in my predictions as far as surprises. And one of the reasons why I didn't pick Brock to win is because I didn't think they needed to do that. I mean, certainly they weren't about doing it. I mean, Roman Reigns did something simple, similar a couple of years back, I think he lost the U.S. title and then somehow got into the Rumble later that night because uh, there's an infamous viral video of people reacting to Roman coming out at number 30 and it all being hilariously negative. But I also can't help but think that how does the story work here? Was Brock only offered the Rumble entry after he lost? Or if he had retained the title, would he have been in it anyway? I mean, that's not an unreasonable thought, considering Charlotte was in the Women's Rumble as the SmackDown champion. But if Brock only picked now, who did he take somebody else's spot? And why wasn't Seth Rollins in the Rumble? Because he didn't get his title but yet he wasn't in the rumble either. And like I said, he got automatic placement in the elimination chamber, even though he just wrestled for Roman's title. And there was just no good reason for Shane to be there. Like I said before, you know, striking battle with Matt Riddle and, and all that jazz. So uh, definitely a, a less than seller rumble, really not anything to write home about. I'm trying to think of any segments or spots that, uh, I really jumped out at me. You know, anything that I really uh, cheered about, and I, I can't think of anything offhand for many of the reasons you said. Like they, they had all these opportunities to put people in place against each other, 
or possibly a team teaming up or something to that effect. And they just uh, didn't didn't do it. So, yeah, very underwhelming rumble. I can't see myself ever sitting down and watching this one again, although I do like watching rumbles because the rumble match itself is usually worth getting a pay-per-view for just in itself. But I guess I'm kind of defaulting back to my age-old review summary back in the WWE Network days where just like, okay, well, for $9.99 a, a, a month, it was an okay event, but I probably would not have liked this very much if I paid full price for the pay-per-view, I mean, the the PLE. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess one could argue Seth Rollins wasn't in the Rumble because he's, he's still busy sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is almost like a carbon copy of the women's match, right? It was like, full of missed opportunities like you said josh um ray and dominic um you know we we look forward almost to the to the kofi spot now every year that was completely botched they might have been able to save it if the camera wasn't pointing you know i'm in in the perfect view and we and we saw exactly what happened um if it was up you know maybe from like the waist up or something they might have been able just to to keep it going and, and not have noticed um yeah, there there was no there was no obvious um, hints of stuff going forward. The, the Shane stuff was a mess. Um, yeah, it it was not a good rumble. Yeah, not at all. And I'd like to call out and blame um, Kevin Dunn again, missing an elimination. Rick Boogs showing his awesome display of power has a guy i forget who it was pressed over his head with one friggin hand and is about to eliminate him and the shot cuts to two other guys fighting on the side misses the elimination i think it was mysterio ray what how how do you do that how do you miss an elimination that's the whole you have one job capture the eliminations and they can't even, he can't, oh my God. Here's Edge after nine years away. You know, he's about to spear somebody. Oh, let's cut to the crowd. <sighs> Unreal. Terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I went back and forth on these surprise entrants, and uh, hindsight being 2020, I should have just left them off because. Oh, did I crash and burn with this? Do you, um, do you have the point totals before we got into the prop bets? Yeah. You had 37. Uh, Seth and I had 27. So moving through these, I'm not going to go through all the surprises that we picked. You can listen to last week's episode for that. But Seth, for the men and women combined, negative five. Jarrett, you, for the men's side, you had six. Three appeared, three did not, so you broke even there. But Rhonda saved you from going over completely, and uh, you were negative five for the women. I also balanced out in the men. Six uh, of the six, three appeared, three did not. But I was O for seven in my women predictions. So a huge negative seven and thank God for the men's surprises that I got. Otherwise I would have fallen even further back. Uh, wow, gosh, you're supposed to be the women's expert on this panel here. Like, do I need to find a new, uh, new panelist or what's going on here? I- I'm going to refer you back to the news item uh, earlier where they spoke on lack of continuity. <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Well played, sir. Um, first two in each rumble. The men were AJ and Shinsuke. The women were Sasha and Molina. Seth, big zero. Jarrett got two for AJ Styles. I also drew a big zero. And Austin Theory was third, damn it. <laughs> yep. Final four in each Rumble match. The men, Brock, McIntyre, Shane, and Riddle. Women, Ronda, Charlotte, Bianca, and Shayna Baszler. Seth got plus four for Charlotte and Ronda. Jarrett got plus six 
for Lesnar, Charlotte, and Ronda. I got plus four for Lesnar and Charlotte. Obviously, if you pick the winners or the people who finish second, then obviously you are going to get some points. Longest lasting, a.k.a. Iron Man, Iron Woman. For the men, AJ Styles. For the women, Bianca Belair. Seth, two for AJ. And nothing else for nobody. (laughs) (sighs) Shortest lasting in each rumble. Kofi Kingston, shed a tear, and right to censor Ivory. Another goose egg across the board for everybody. Most eliminations. AJ Styles with six. Charlotte Flair with five. Jarrett and myself both pick Charlotte, so two points there. Everybody else, Ofer and goose eggs. So, taking all that into consideration... The point totals are as follows. Jarrett went from 37 to 42. Seth picked up positive one. (laughs) 27 to 28. And somehow I only got a negative one. So 27 down to 26. So not as horrible as it could have been. Because after the women's match, which was second... And I saw that big negative seven. I was like, oh, I'm in some trouble. (laughs) But thankfully, only the surprises give you negative points and everything else is just bonus if you get it. Because I might be close to zero for the (laughs) or in the negative. But, oh, man. So, Jarrett, you were the only one to get both Rumble winners. So, as I said, big extra 20 points there. Otherwise, you would have been sitting at 22 or 32, (laughs) depending on if you would have split the difference. But that is where we are at. As I said, we will be predicting Elimination Chamber coming up in a couple of episodes. Man, this has been not where I thought we would have been. I, I did not foresee all this fallout. But... Final thoughts on what was, I, I want to say, I want to use the word mediocre, but to me, a lot of this just, just fell flat. Like it was, you know, we have our filler challengers, we have our filler rumble entrance, but to me, this, instead of a big four, this almost felt like a filler pay-per-view. Yeah, I certainly can't disagree with that. And uh, like I said, really nothing to write home about. There were some entertaining entrances in the women's rumble. Great match at the beginning. And I guess if you you enjoy rumble matches, there's stuff to enjoy here. But no real surprises in a good way, I guess, is probably the way I, I could say it. Because I don't know if you even could pick Brock as being a true surprise since... We basically, well, I didn't pick him as one, but I know you guys picked him as a surprise entrant to, to win. But, uh, yeah, just it's a whole big pile of indifference for me, I guess. <laughs> That's actually a good way of putting it. I mean, like there wasn't, there wasn't anything that was super good, right? Like normally when you have a, a bad ish pay-per-view, like there's usually one or two standouts that kind of help to try to save the day, but there was, there was really nothing uh, on this one that was remarkable enough to to, to turn the thumbs all the way up. Um, so I'm, I would actually probably give this one kind of one thumb in the middle and one thumb leaning down. Yeah, it this was a yeah, it was a, a filler pay per view, like you said, Josh. It didn't really feel terribly special. I'm going to tell you how they could have improved the women's rumble. And that's all those surprises that they announced on SmackDown. If they would have kept those surprises, the women's rumble would have blown the men's rumble out of the water. Had they kept all those surprises under wraps until the entrance. And I'll tell you this, I'll give them kudos for one thing that they did right. And they did as, as much as they possibly could. They did right by Mickey James They gave her her hardcore country theme, which is Impact 
I don't want to say impact only, but it's not a WWE creation. It's her creation. She wrote the damn song. She sings the damn song. They had her come out with the impact knockouts title. The only thing that they kind of flubbed is they didn't say the word knockouts. They just said impact women's champion, but that little nitpick aside, they did write by Mickey. Hopefully she'll be inducted into the hall of fame in WWE at some point. Um, hopefully this puts trash bag gate behind her. Um, but that's about the only highlight or positive thing that they did not screw up. But again, if it would have been a true surprise, so many people would have marked out for that. And Josh, what did you learn about this pay-per-view? Uh, it's a lesson that I have learned painfully doing predictions over the last few years. Oh, don't use common sense when making predictions. <laughs> Bet with your head, not with your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would have had 10 more points if I would have picked Ronda. And Alexa didn't even show up, let alone win. (sighs) And for all the... Well, I guess her her doll wasn't there. For all all the backstage complaints and and everything, you know, Alexa, stay in therapy. You're better off. (laughs) Okay. So that wraps up the wrap up of Royal Rumble. We have Elimination Chamber on the 19th February. Then we have AEW Revolution March 7th. And then I think nothing until Mania in April. Once again, thank you all for tuning in, listening, subscribing, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle Podcast Network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments at Twitter at TWBP Show, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Behind the Squared Circle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jared on Twitter at The Bacon Rev, and you can follow Josh at Southpaw Josh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from The Wrestling Brethren. <laughs>